friends! Okay, check it out. If you're watching on YouTube, which I hope you might be, but also I understand if you're an audio listener, feel free to fast forward for 15 seconds, but I've got this awesome new recording sign. I don't know if you guys can uh, see how fucking cool it is, but it's from my buddies, my good old buddies. Um, okay, it's heavy. I'm gonna put it down, but I wanted to, sh- I wanted to show it off because... It's a new sign that I got from Etsy from my friends for my birthday. So shout out to uh, my co- my college roommates. They're very sweet. They got me a ring light too. So that's why I look so lit. Well lit in 360 because I have a ring light. And also that recording sign. So thank you to them. Thank you. Thank you. I told them I'd shout it out on the pod. Um, so, you know, what a great time to be alive. Before I dive into today's guest, I do want to... Plug again, Earth to Net. If you guys haven't already watched it, what are you doing? I literally don't ever make television. This is the only time. And it's out. So check it out. If you have Disney+, Plus, make sure you watch Earth to Ned. There's 10 episodes for you to binge. They're like pretty short. They're like 20 minutes each. So you're not committing your life to it, okay? Calm down. Uh, what else do you have to do, you know? It's it's really fun. It's really wacky and weird. It's my kind of humor. So if you like my kind of humor, then you might like this show. Uh, and on top of that, I do maybe make an appearance in episode two. Uh, it's brief, but you'll see me. And it's fun. It's fun. Um, also... You know, if you don't have Disney Plus, I understand it is, um, you know, it is kind of costly. You got to pay every month or whatever, but I recommend getting it and then maybe clicking on Earth to Ned first so that you can tell Disney and Mickey and all those people at the top of that building, whatever that is, uh, that you like Earth to Ned and you maybe want more. Actually, though, there are going to be 10 more episodes released potentially, but not if it doesn't do well. So I'm hoping that the 10 episodes we already made... Like, they released 10, but we made 20. So if they release the second 10, I mean, that's a good sign. So let's try to at least get that second 10 out there. Um, Okay, enough about that plug. I just want to say, hope you guys are doing all right. I'm here in um, sunny Southern California where the sky is filled with ashes and the air ain't so good. So, you know, uh, as much as I was staying inside before, now I'm really staying inside. I'm like never opening a window. So that's fun. I've been kind of stewing in my own filth. Next, we've got a really fun guest for you today. We, I mean me. Um, it's our first repeat guest. And obviously, I have so many people I love to interview that I, I kind of was like not doing repeat guests. But I think it's so fun because he and I have such a great, you know, friendship. But specifically because of him, he has just this energy and he himself is a guru of positivity. Um, he's a comedian, so that's how we met. But little did I know, like I just had him on the podcast being like, oh, what a fun, happy guy. I'm sure he'll have something funny to say. But then it turned out he like loves all this self-help, self-care, um, psychology stuff. So he was a perfect guest the first time around. And now I'm having him back on because he just released his awesome book. You guys have to buy it. It's called The Art of Being Yay. Y-A-Y. <clears throat> Not Kanye West. <laughs> the art of being Kanye. He's a ghostwriter for Kanye West. Wouldn't that be hilarious? But no, he is his own writer. Um, and you can check it out. It's got a forward by Margaret Cho, the Margaret Cho. And she also recorded the audiobook. So if you're into listening more than reading, which I know I am, buy the audiobook. Um, it's available on Amazon. The Art of Being Yay by Aiden Park. It's Aiden. 
we had Aiden back on. So, all right, give this interview a listen and buy his book. So it is exciting to have you back because I remember last time you brought pizza and it was a very different world. We did not know what was in our future. Right. Um, When I could walk in and order and pick it up. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, And, um, as always, I don't think I even knew before then as as much because we had su- such a great time to talk it through the fact that you were this like positivity expert and <sighs> or just mental health and self, you know, actualization and inspection person. And now you're coming out with a book, which is why you're coming back on. If you want to talk a little bit about that and then we can, you know, I'll, we'll talk about everything that is Aiden as the author. Yay! Cool! Alright, awesome. So, um, there's a reason why you don't know all of that is because I keep it a secret because I don't want people to think I'm a weirdo. <laughs> that that being an expert on life advice and stuff would be a weirdo? Well, initially, I got into it because, sure. okay, it's all in the book, but I'll give you the short end of it, right? Nice, so, yeah, yeah, but still buy the book. I'll still buy the book. But book, still buy the book. <laughs> I go into much more detail, you know. Um, Right, right, right. Basically, I was moved to this country from Korea when I was nine, right? And I got out of high school. And at the time I graduated high school, I was still undocumented. Right? So this was back in 2003 where there were no protections for people who, you know, uh, were undocumented at the time, right? Right? And, uh, you know, of course, when I moved here also, like, my my mom, I moved here with my mom, and she moved across the country, so I grew up with my grandmother, and so she uh, raised me in her government housing senior apartment where I couldn't be there, so I had to be quiet. So, (laughs) in poverty, with no parenting, (laughs) and uh, my mom gone, and religious, I'm gay, so that's another layer, right? So I graduated high school, Mm -hmm. and when I graduated high school... Uh, I couldn't go to college. I found out like two months before I couldn't get a job because I was undocumented. So I was a Craigslist erotic services provider (laughs) for a minute. Yeah. (laughs) Until I got HIV, right? So when I got to that point, I had no way to educate myself or, or get a job or anything. And a few friends of mine were like, you should take this empowerment workshop. So they sent me to this empowerment workshop. And from there, I started researching how successful people do things. And so I started applying those things to my life. So the reason why I don't come out and say that is because I was just applying to my life. And not really, it wasn't about helping anybody else. It was just about helping myself so that I could get what I want. (laughs) Until I reached a certain age. And I don't want, like, you know, like, comedians, like, I don't want other comedians sure, sure. to think I'm this weirdo. <laughs> Fair enough. Right. I mean, yeah, like anything, it's like you kind of wait until you need to introduce that part of you yeah. to other parts of your life for people who you're not sure, I guess. Well, I have no intention it, of but... ever talking about this at all. Like, I have no intention mm-hmm. of ever revealing that I was into empowerment because I was just doing it for me. You know, and they teach you all kinds of freaky stuff in that world. <laughs> okay. Uh oh. Yeah. Now that's getting a little scary. No, just <laughs> um, but yeah, yeah. I mean, that's that. That is how I think a lot of people maybe get into it. It's like I don't think I would have started this podcast if I was 
positive all the time or whatever, right? Yeah. Like I think that, you know, the hope is that you're working on it uh, yourself constantly, I guess. And then if that can eventually help other people, that's really cool. But, yeah. um, you know, like many things, it sounds like it's, you know, not one or the other or it starts out self-focused and then can be kind of bridged yeah. later on. It was totally self-focused. And in fact, like, it's better. It's like almost better if people don't know what you're doing. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Um, there's this specific yeah, technique yeah. called neuro-linguistic programming, right? Which I'm actually a master practitioner of. And people don't know that because I don't talk about it, <laughs> right? Um, and it's basically this way that, uh, this concept that, like, language makes the world, right? So if you listen to somebody's languaging, you can kind of hear where they're positioning themselves as it relates to their career or what they're doing or how they feel about their own comedy career or how they feel about themselves or their relationship. Very, very clear. And so I got really good at figuring that out very quickly. And so if people know that you can do that, it's a little weird, <laughs> right? So... Yeah, like they might think that you're going to diagnose them the minute that you talk with them or something. <laughs> yeah, yeah, kind of, right? It's kind of a superpower. But I mean, yeah, I remember us talking a little bit about this on the last episode you were on where, you know, it was like the your, the example you gave, I think, was, you know, if or I am a poor, like I'm a bad comic because I'm or I'm a good comic because I'm struggling financially or something, right? Um and we were talking about a little bit how, you know, it's a self-fulfilling prophecy and everything like that. Um, so, yeah, and I, I remember that being something that maybe floats around in a lot of people's minds that, oh, yeah, I guess I should probably stop saying that. But like, what's what's it going to make, you know, what's it going to matter, I guess, is how well, I, I mean, used to think. It's like it does. The, the thing about it is, like, if people don't want to change their perspective, they're not going to change no matter what you say. And so it's really great to identify people who are either empowered or disempowered or how they feel about the world and whether they want to or are willing to change that because then it helps you maneuver around them. It's like, you know, if you know that, you know, uh, Las Vegas is in Nevada, then you know you can either go through <laughs> Vegas or around Vegas. <laughs> But it's not going to move. Las Vegas isn't, unless it wants to, Las Vegas is not going to pick up and <laughs> wow, replace it, is... you know, in, in Maine. Sure, right? yeah. Huh? Right. It would be, I wouldn't be surprised given the year we've had, you know, they might, they might just float away. Who knows yeah, what's happening? Um, but yeah, yeah. So just the idea that, um, well, sorry. I don't know if I totally understand that metaphor. So is I'm it that, sorry. So let's say. Is it like accepting something? Oh, yeah, yeah. So if you say you're a terrible comic, Sierra, right? So like, uh -huh. say you said, I'm a terrible comedian. You can edit that Las Vegas thing out later, okay? So <laughs> No, if, no, if, no. If I, I genuinely want people to know that <laughs> if they are confused as well, that I was also confused. I, I'm probably confusing. A... I, again, no, no. I'm like Inspector Gadget. I just kind of pull shit from the air and makes sense to me. And I assume it makes I love sense that to reference. others. <laughs> so Sierra, <laughs> if you said you're a terrible comedian, right? Mm -hmm. And then I said, I don't think you're a terrible comedian. Would you like to continue to feel like you're a terrible comedian? The answer is usually that I'm going to get back is, no, I wouldn't. But I bombed here and I bombed here. So you're essentially fighting for what oh, you have right, already identified. Right. So you're not going to change 
unless you want to. And so knowing people's position in the world and knowing that 90% of them are not going to change their perspective of the world, no matter how much evidence you give them, gives you all the power. Because then I could be like, well, here's this individual, Sierra, who's hilarious, but doesn't think she's funny. So do we want to give her the responsibility of carrying a Netflix special from the producer's end? Yes or no? I can make that decision knowing where you are placing yourself Mm. and whether you're going to change or not. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's like good interview advice for jobs too, I guess. Like, I don't know, thinking about that's probably what they are doing, even if they don't call it NLP or, totally. you know, these interviews or these these HR managers or these yeah. CEOs who are hiring, like they know what cues to pick up on and how somebody might answer the, the question, where do you see yourself in five years? Like, I guess that's a lot more telling than just, oh, how... Where will they see themselves in five years? You know, I guess but that's kind of But see, people, like... like, make stuff up that sound good, right? So, like, they'll go to these interviews and they train for these interviews. Like, I, my biggest downfall is that I feel like I work too hard. Like, you know, the bullshit answer. Like <laughs> yeah. You see what I'm saying? My weakness, my weakness, I am too hardworking. <laughs> like, right, I'm too right. nice. <laughs> they, like, spin it. And so sure. it's like, how do you see through that bullshit? How do you see through... Sure, sure. That too. Yeah. Just to know, know where they are positioned, you know? Right. That's very cool. And then for your book, do you see... Is your book like a... Do you see it as something that somebody will pick up because they're looking like they need that in their life? Is it more of a... Um, like where, where on the, the spectrum of, I guess, self-help books do you kind of see your book landing? I see that book as an emotionally helpful book. Yeah. So it's going to help nice. your emotions. Uh- like I wrote the book because, you know, a couple of years ago, my, uh, my partner of uh, five years, Michael James passed away from cancer and it was a knocker, man. It was like. The last few months of his life, like, I was going from, like, place to place to place to emergency room to emergency room. It was conversations like, hey, man, the doctor says you have a 10% chance of survival. Do you want to continue this or do you want to be comfortable? As he's crying in pain. Like, so it was like that level of... Yeah. And it was like torture. And uh, so after he died... Cannot imagine. Mm Mm-hmm. Honestly, I was, like, pretty suicidal, right? And it was kind of, like, this decision. I was like, look, listen. I'm either gonna... Like, if I don't kill myself, I can stay, but I'm not gonna stay feeling this bad. It's just not gonna happen. There's no way that I can go through this all the time, every day. Or even for another month, really, to be honest. Like, I cannot do this. And so, then I started thinking, after all the traditional methods, I tried to make myself happier by trying to fix everything, right? That didn't work, Mm. right? I tried Mm. to make more money and go out and and work extra hard and get on every comedy show and just do everything. And that failed miserably. (laughs) And then I was like, okay, "Okay, well, with those years of empowerment, what if I took those goal-oriented things and made the goal an emotional goal as opposed to a goal that would be tangible? So, like, before I'd be like, I want to make an X amount of money. That would be a goal. Now it'd be like, 
how can I improve my emotional state so that I can achieve this desired emotion more often, right? That's really cool. I feel like that is hard. I mean, more so than the, A, that's just not a thing we're taught mm -hmm. um, to. No, not at all. There's no information out right. there about this. <laughs> As I mean, a yeah, so this sounds like a hole in the market. But yeah, I mean, for sure that normally goals are, okay, great. So you want to set a goal? Um, do you want to make $5,000 or $6,000? You know what I mean? It's like yeah. what, you know, it's always going to be tangible. It's oftentimes related to career and it's not related to your personal life. Or if it is your personal life, it's like, all right, then my goal is to like have a boyfriend or something, right? And then that means it's a physical manifestation. So that doesn't mean that the boyfriend's good or bad or yeah. you're happy or you're not, right? So it's so, um, setting an emotional goal, I think, is probably the ultimate, what we want to get to, but well, it's hard because I would love to be able to do that. Anyway, well, yeah. What's so cool about it, right? The biggest thing I discovered in all of this was, came from my friend, Jackie Monahan. Do you know Jackie Monahan? Oh yeah, yeah. Uh -huh. Yeah, she's a comedian who says she's an alien and by golly, I just love her to tears. Check her out, Jackie Incredible. Monahan. Yeah, Jackie ja Monahan. Jackie Primrose Monahan is Jackie Primrose. Jacqueline Primrose Monahan, right? Jacqueline Primrose Monahan. Beautiful <laughs> name. I know her mainly from social media, so that's why. But I have met her before. I think we did the same season of Last Comic Standing. She's super cool. She's like so Very funny. She's person. so out uh -huh. there, but she's one of the happiest people ever, right? And Incredible. I went to have Tell lunch me with her. I'm sorry. What? Tell me everything. <laughs> <laughs> so I went to have lunch with her and I was telling her about how much I was missing Michael. And this was like three or four months after he died. And she said something so cool. She said, well, Aiden, the point is that you want to figure out what you're missing in Michael and give that to yourself. And at first I was like, what the fuck are you talking about? You crazy bitch. <laughs> right? I was like, I want Michael. That's what I want. That's what I want in right, myself. Right, right. I want Michael in myself. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> right, 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 right. Yeah, I yeah. want Michael. In, yeah, got it. You got it. I'm gay people. Got we it, all got, got that, right? Yeah, yeah, you know, it's, that is, that's a top notch joke right there. I didn't want anyone top -notch to miss joke. it. So I want Michael in it. myself. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah, and if, if you're not watching on YouTube, he's doing a sort of clicking motion up the, up the, up the bum, so probably, with a little two fingers. That is so funny. Um, you know, now you know where the cremations went. <laughs> oh, no. I know, but it's yeah. terrible. I'm okay. sorry. I'm sorry. Whatever. And we're comedians. What, what can we do, you know? We're comedians. This is what we do. We're comedians. Oh, I'm a comedian, right? <laughs> I'm a professional. <laughs> So whatever. <laughs> but anyway, Jacqueline but yes. Primrose Monahan said she thought I should look for what I was missing in Michael and try to give that to myself. And I was like, what in the gobbledygook does that mean? Right. So I was like, Jackie, what are you talking about? And um, she said she heard it from. I'll never forget that. She was like, do you know Abraham? And I was like, who's Abraham? And she was like, Abraham is a psychic channeler who comes through a woman named Esther. And Esther translates okay. messages from the channeler to this planet. Mm -hmm. And she says that's what we should do. And I was like, okay. I have heard of this. And I don't know if I heard of it from you. I probably did. 
Or did I hear about it from somebody else? Maybe. I, I don't know. I mean, I love I know Abraham, actually. I videos, so people... I really do. I think it's great. But at yeah. the time, I was like... And I was like, how'd you find this, Jackie? And she goes... <laughs> she goes... I think I'm part alien, and so I was researching people who would back up evidence for extraterrestrial life. So that's how I found Abraham. And I was like, okay, so you mean to tell me that I'm taking messages from you, who heard it from <laughs> Esther on YouTube, who's right. getting messages from Abraham, the universe, who says aliens exist. This is a messed up game Good. of fucking telephone. You see what I'm saying? <laughs> I was like, this is fucked. Yeah, it's pretty indirect. But um, many aliens removed. Um, but but you know, and then also, I I really am admiring the fact that to back up her already pretty out there explanation with an even more you know unheard of explanation. Yeah. Whether or not you know whether or not uh, of course I, I I definitely I can believe her for sure. Yeah. Um. But yeah, it is like you know it wasn't it's like she was trying to say I know this is silly, and I found it on youtube because i was searching around it's like and she, i was like, worried about neuro-linguistic programming <laughs> you know there you go yeah so then so then but when you're desperate you try anything really like <laughs> really so then i was like okay what's this all about and so on a particular time where i missed michael i actually thought okay if michael were here what would he be providing me right now? And after I got, at first I was like, well, he'd be touching me, he'd be comforting. But as I got deeper into why I was looking for Michael, it turned out mm -hmm. that I was looking for Michael for a re emotional reason, right? So the one that stayed in my book is I lost a big check. Michael was the money guy. And so I was like, Immediately, I lost the check. I was vulnerable in the area that he was in charge of. So I was like, oh my God, Michael, I miss you. Crying, crying. Mm. Wait a minute, hold on. Why do I miss Michael? Because if Michael were here, this would not be happening. Why? Because he would be in charge of the money. Okay, and how, how would that make you feel? Safe, secure, Comforted. What would Michael say to you if he were here? Comforted. Cared for. Comforted and cared for. That's, that's what I was going for. So then I started applying that. I was like, so Abraham also said something like, anything you want in life, you're, you're wanting because you want uh, um, an emotional result out of it. So... People who say they want a boyfriend generally want a boyfriend because they're seeking the emotion at the end of the day, if you get right down to it, security, safety, maybe. It might be something different for other people. Excitement, love. Uh, people might want money because they want a sense of uh, wellness or power or empowerment. Um, I want to have this coffee because I want to feel stimulate i don't know like whatever like i'm on this call with you and connecting with you because what do i want you know good emotions whatever at the end of the day if we get to the end of it right so if i'm on this thing i'm talking to you if i sell ten thousand copies then what am i going to get money and further exposure then what am i going to get a sense of accomplishment you see what i'm saying you see what i'm going right for? right yeah yeah like like you don't just want the coffee for the 
brown sludge at the bottom as good as that can be as well yeah but yeah it's like <clears throat> you have another result that comes from it right um and so it's an emotional result at the end of the day it's always an emotional result actually um and i tried it on for size and so every time i missed michael i started going why am i missing michael i stopped i was like why am i missing michael what would he provide me emotionally if he were here? And I started getting different answers. You know, sometimes I would miss him because I missed the excitement. Sometimes I would miss him because I would miss the comfort or, um, you know, I, I don't know, like laughter or whatever. Um, and so then I try to give that to myself direct without needing Michael to be there in order to make that goal happen. Yeah, no, that is, that sounds, or it sounds like how when people say, oh, they're still with you or they're still, you know, friends or family who have passed. I mean, that is essentially what they mean, except for sometimes, you know, depending on how you interpret that, it's like, oh, is there a ghost? Like, what's happening? Yeah. When people said that to me, when, when he first died, I was like, fuck you guys. Fuck you. Don't tell me right, that. Right, yeah, you're like... Fuck you. That's obviously <laughs> He's not He's fucking true. not here! Yeah. Right, right, right. Exactly. It's like, uh, did I just go through all that for fucking you to tell me that? Oh, don't... You you know, it's fine, right? Shit people say to you. This one girl was like, he's with Jesus now. I'm like, great. That makes me feel great to know yeah. he's hanging out with the coolest guy in the fucking world. That's fucking great. Yeah, yeah, That's great. great. Doesn't need Thanks me anymore. Thanks <laughs> Right. So, you know, everyone's got their different language of how they describe these really tough moments yeah. and loss. But I think essentially that is, you know, what you're stepping out, what you're clearly um, delineating there is that you have, you know him so well that you know, you know, each situation, we may not be able to pause and think, oh, what am I getting from this person? Or what am, what are we exchanging here or whatever? But like, because you've had the, you know great insight of being able to go through this really awful, awful time with somebody so meaningfully to you. It just sounds like he really is, you know, he really is somebody who you've been able to put in, put into yourself. Um, but yeah, you, know, <laughs> is, you did it. You did it. Um, but, and, but that is beautiful. I, I uh, thank you for sharing that with us. And also, I wanted to say the painting behind you, I know we discussed it when you first arrived, but we weren't recording yet. The backstory of the painting, I don't know if you want to go into detail. It looks that. like a freaking 80s painting from Working Girl. But Michael sure. actually found this in the garbage four years ago, right? Like that was two years before he died. And this painter right here, Lee Reynolds... We, he was like, baby, baby. Like, he came home with this thing. He was like, baby, baby, look. He's it's 20 huge. years older than me. He talks like a grandfather. He used to smoke. But he was like, baby, baby, look, look. So this Lee Reynolds, this painting looks like it's something. Maybe we can look into it. Maybe it's worth a million dollars. And so we started researching this artist. And it turns out that it was a student artwork from a student of Lee Reynolds. So it wasn't Lee. Oh. It was one of his students. But it looks good. So I left it hanging and... Yeah. You know, well, why does he? So he signed it. Did he take? Yeah, it's right for there. Student or what's that mean? I guess I don't know. I don't know if it's foraged or <laughs> I don't know the story. Still, I have that, no clue. That's great. I mean, yeah. you never know. 
you really never know. And so I think it's a beautiful backdrop. And oh, that reminds me actually my so my grandpa was a watercolor artist. One of his paintings is actually right behind me. Um, and he was a cartoonist. That's his cartoon. Oh, cool. Um, but yeah, so he um, did like a lot of watercolor for uh, kind of before they did architectural renderings by on the computer, they had hired an artist to draw like, this is what this building is going to look like or whatever. So he would do some of that for work. And I think he threw away one painting in his trash. And then my dad, who was like dating my mom at the time, they weren't married yet, like went over to pick her up or whatever at the house or met, meet them. I don't know. And he like saw that painting in the trash of my grandfather. So his father-in-law and picked it out and like kept it. And then my grandpa wow. saw that and was like, Oh, I like him. Wow. <laughs> because he was like, oh, he liked my trash painting. Um, so hilarious. We both have, we have dead people's artwork lording over us, right? <laughs> I guess so. Yeah, exactly. So, so, you know, something about people finding paintings that were discarded. Yeah. Clearly, they have an eye for, yeah. uh, for good stuff. So I think it's fitting are. because, like, uh, now most of my work has transitioned into, like, you know, work... Um, around discoveries that I made as a result of my experience with Michael. And so it's very fitting yeah. for me that Michael's like right here. Do you know what I mean? Like this is, this is Michael. Yeah. So I feel really good about it. It's great. Yeah. What a, what a nice reminder. Um, so yeah. And then specifically back to the book stuff, I did want to ask, like, you know, I knew, I kind of remember when you said you were writing a book and to me, that's such an amorphous thing. Like, I don't even know where you get started with that. And what sort of was, do you have a specific moment when you decided, yeah, I'm writing this book? Yeah. So this is what happened. Like, so this is actually what I advocate in the book. It seems like I'm going off track, but I'm not. So when you start focusing on your emotional well-being, and I started applying that thing to everything. Traffic. I'd be sitting in traffic. And I'd be frustrated and I'd be like, okay, well, what if there was no traffic, what would I feel like? Peace and quiet. So then I would try to give myself mm. peace and quiet right then. So like I would do those all the time to the extent that I knew myself better and gave myself emotional needs meeting all the time, right? Um, without needing to manage all these people, you know, plus a bunch of other techniques. And so my happiness level actually moment to moment got pretty high, higher than actually when Michael was alive, ironically, because when Michael was alive, I'd be stuck in bullshit. I'd be like, the comedy industry doesn't like me. I'm not funny. I'm not this or that, blah, 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 yada, yada, same old racket over and over and over. Whereas if you know how to manage that and understand what it is, then you can let yourself actually have a higher level of happiness, right? So when you do that, people notice. <laughs> and so that's why I advocate for happy first in the book. There's a whole book about it, actually. Sean A. Core's Happiness Advantage. It's, it's about how if you're happy oh, yeah. first, right. you get everything else. And people do better when they're happier, yeah. those statistics. It's just logical. I think because, I saw yeah. TED Talk. Sorry? Yeah, he had, he had a TED I Talk. Think, and he had like, he like talks really fast and like, cracks like 10 jokes a minute it's like kind of a lot yeah, faster than me <laughs> yeah, yeah i mean it's similar in the sense that like he's like a fast talking person and then i feel like 
um you have that high energy but then you you're like a comedian still he, he's still like a like you have like a comedian's cadence of like joke knowing how to tell a joke i feel like he's just like rapid fire like firing off things that you're like oh was that supposed to be a joke ah, ha, ha, oh okay yeah uh, <laughs> but they'll laugh i watched Brene brown's special you know and she made a joke like oh she was yeah like, she was... well don't we all feel like a suburban mother sometimes and then the audience cracked up or something like that and they i was like it. That is not a joke. I know. <laughs> That's it's so like true. everybody. I mean, when have we performed to a whole room full of like a stadium laughing at a joke right. like that, Sierra? Like, <laughs> I know, hilarious. It is true that like if you go into a thing and you are there to give them not just comedy, right? If you're there to give them, that's why. I mean, you would crush at the TED Talk kind of format because oh my you're God. so. Cause oh yeah, uh, you will you will definitely have that once we can gather again. Um, but yeah, once uh, you know, they're there to deliver their idea. Yeah. So there's like no pressure to be funny. So then if they throw in one thing, everybody's like, oh my, oh my god, god, I wasn't expecting so outrageous. That. And then let's be honest, that's Brady why I got into this fun. whole thing because I couldn't be funny enough to be a comedian. So I was like, I'll throw some ideas out there and then they'll forgive me for my bad jokes. <laughs> Not true at all. You're very hilarious. But also I think um, what is true and I believe is that, you know, you every there's so many comedians and it is kind of about finding like what you're passionate about outside of comedy because comedy sometimes can just feel like at least this is how I see it sometimes in my own life. So not to speak for anyone else, but I do feel like in many ways it's just a tool. Like it would be really hard just to be a comedian right now because there's just so many talented comedians and so many jokes have been said and recorded and like so many styles and and different ways to make people laugh so i do feel like it's it's a really valuable tool to have if you can be funny and and write jokes and um deliver material in a way that makes people laugh um but it's also about the content of what you're saying and i think if you have something like you're passionate about like you do uh, then it's like a valuable synergy of, oh, hey, you know, I'm a great comedian, but also here's like this life experience that I had that led to me learning this, that led to me learning this, and then I'm packaging that all for you and making it super easy to understand, but also enjoy learning. Yeah. So, Well, I think all comedians are in the self-help industry, whether they want to admit it or not. It's like from sure. the position of the audience, and this, you're not there to tell jokes. I mean, you are, but... You'll tell jokes, but you're there to help people feel more connected and less alone, whether they know that's the yeah. deal or not. And so the ones that really take off are the ones who offer an invaluable way to connect. So, you know, you can get, you know, whatever, X, Y, and Z. Like, you know, if you, if you got a, you know, tall, blonde comedian who tells airplane jokes, you can get like... 17 of those back to back to back to back to back, you know, but if you have, what is it that you have to offer that people can relate to and connect with? And that's sure. it. And people don't get that. So they go up there and tell, you know, dick jokes that have nothing to do with them. And I feel like, what, why would I want to watch you? I could get Dane Cook on my, you know, Netflix now. Right. Yeah, a fully yeah. polished set of, you know, a stadium in the round. You're like, I could get a dick joke exciting. or a dick joke. Do you see what I'm saying? Yes, that was good. Again, for just the audio listeners out there, he did a couple of different dick sort of maneuvers. Yeah. Not 
or whatever. My like a baby dick or a black to, dick. To yeah, those clear. are the two uh, oh, references that I yeah, just... Yeah, to be clear that there's, yeah, there's a variety. And if you're looking for a polished yeah. set, right. it's a out polished, there. Very well polished. Top to bottom. <laughs> see what I did? I didn't even say that. <laughs> I didn't even mean... But see, you have an eye for... Finding all the jokes and making uh, so. those are the jokes I come up with, which is why I transitioned into the self help field. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, that's great. No, that's not true. Um, yeah. But yeah, oh, I, so I totally book. feel Answer that. I mean, question. obviously, right. yeah. I'm sorry, did I yeah, interrupt yeah, yeah. you? Well, I did interrupt. No, you. I already forgot. I'm like yeah. mansplaining how, how did, you. Um... Am I mansplaining? No, I don't. I mean, you're the guest. You have to mansplain or explain. Listen, Sarah, <laughs> this is how it is. Listen, listen. Look, you want to look? Look, you gotta. You gotta do Look, a podcast listen. about being positive. You know what I'm saying? You gotta, yeah. You gotta, you gotta. Thanks. You gotta do that. You gotta. Thanks, Aiden. One of my favorite jokes is like <laughs> picking somebody. Like I, I love to do this to my friend Jen Saunderson because she is so, so um, active in the in the world of making sure you know women have rights and all of that. And I just like to watch her do something. Nice. Like walk somewhere. I'm like, yeah. Like after she's wa- she started walking, I go, yeah, yeah. You gotta. You gotta walk. You gotta walk, and and yeah, yeah. You gotta you gotta give that look to Aiden. Yeah, you know, just like that. Yeah, you gotta you gotta. You just mansplain everything she's already just done. Yeah, that's, that's right. Great. That's a good bit. I like that bit. You gotta do forty episodes of Stay Positive. You know what I mean? But like, not release it every week. But like, whenever you have time <laughs> right, to upload, right, right. you know, you get what I'm saying. Got it. Got it. Thanks. Yeah. Yeah. Man. Good thing you're here. Good thing. Good thing I'm here to tell you what Would to have do. Been a whole different. I know. Would have been a whole different ball game. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, yeah, so the book, right. So how I got there was a mentor of mine, Enette Morton, uh, who I've known for years. She actually is a pretty, she ran the, the business department um, over at um, Pepperdine University. And uh, she was a big HR lady, the, one of the first women of color in, in, um, in the, uh, the PR, uh, you know, in Los Angeles in like the 90s and the 80s, right? And oh, wow. this amazing businesswoman. And when I first met her after Mike died, she was really worried about me. And then after a few months, she noticed a big difference in the way I was. She asked me, mm. how did this happen? What, what are you doing something different? Right? So, it, and she spots BS right away. So, like, it's not like I could have faked a smile and got it past her. Right? So, she was like, what is it that you're... And I was like, well, I'm doing this and this and this and this. And so she was like, well, have you considered sharing that? Maybe writing a book. Okay. So then she was like, I have a friend who's a book coach. Maybe you should just talk to her to get some ideas. I did. I talked to her about the idea. And she said, look, Aiden, scholarship. I'm going to have you join my program. Write this book. I think I need to be helping you. So she gave me a scholarship to write this book. That's what a blessing. Of, Crazy. You know, not even like a... Not like, I don't know, just like as far as to hear that from somebody who has obviously seen a lot of book pitches or a lot of people who are interested. It's a good sign. Yeah, it's like because... interesting. It's, and it's the thing that wouldn't have happened if I didn't have my positive, if I, if I didn't have a good attitude, if I had approached any of those, right, any of those things, if I yes approached and, uh-huh. with lack of confidence or not being happy or any of that. And it's not something you can be fake it. If you fake it, everybody can tell anyway. So the only real answer is to get real happy. Find real joy. What does that mean? How do you do that? And nobody talks about it. People just say, 
go and fake it till you make it. That's terrible. Like, <laughs> people do not understand their emotions, and it's totally okay as long as you're showing up 9 to 5. That is terrible. That's awful. <laughs> yeah, that's like, it is painful, especially now. You know, I always joke, like, I jokingly posted, like, a gif of, you know, that I, Tanya movie and how she, like, is kind of having a breakdown and then she has to put her lipstick on before going out to skate. And, like, it's just an awful scene because, you know, she's, like, she's, like, like, you know, smudging blush. It's, like, really, really great acting by Margot Robbie, but also just you feel her brain. You're, like, oh, yeah, and you gotta put on, like, eyeliner. And you're just, it's, like, like toddlers and tiaras. What? Toddlers and tiaras, where they make three-year-old girls go on stage <gasps> with the big hair. Oh, and they're, like, oh. having a meltdown. You know what's sad about that, though? That's how most of us live life, honestly. And, like, really, that is how we do it. It's rewarded, I guess. Just suck it yeah, up. Yeah, and then that's how I've felt sometimes going on, you know, even work meetings or something where you're on Zoom. You so much are like, you know what, I can just get through it because I can just turn the computer on and like do my thing and talk normal and then go off and like collapse for the rest of the day and and like you know of course it's it, i'm sure everyone's done that now sure sometimes you have to do that contained. it's just mm-hmm. it's just i think it's just become so embedded in some people that it's just a it's just the neutral that's the neutral state for a lot of people to just tolerate right. things they don't want to tolerate because they want to be mm-hmm. virtuous or whatever the hell, you know, it's just yeah, and that's like really um, not a fun thing to sustain. <laughs> it's also impossible because so you try to sustain it; it'll leak out in other ways. You don't have to. I mean, <laughs> oh, yeah. I sound so like uh, so pessimistic, but it's kind of like <sighs> I don't think that sounds pessimistic. I think that sounds like a really fair warning to people that you are looking out for them and you don't want that to manifest in a way that is more harmful than if they just owned up to it and tried to kind of work on it now. But I mean, that's like the American way is like, you know, pushing it off to somebody else's problem for later. You got to look in because a lot of people I, I, I think don't even know what they actually want. Like they just kind of go and do what they're supposed to. And that's the blessing of being being a flaming homosexual at the height that I am, as loud as I am, it's like that option was not available to me to line up with what would have been easy for me, right? Because I'm real gay. Cool. Like, I've never seen a vagina. You see what I'm saying? Like, good, good, yeah. My mother had Assistant. a cesarean. Like, really, never seen a vagina yeah. in my yeah, life. Yeah, wow. Oh. Yeah. And so. Yeah, no, you're really committed. That's, I'm committed to being gay. I'm very gay. Yeah. And um, <laughs> when you're that gay, Mm-hmm. Some gay guys can go, oh, well, I can just, like, um, ignore that and pretend it doesn't exist. No, there was no pretending, like, this doesn't exist. You see what I'm saying? So. Got it. Yeah, it would have been, if I were straight, guaranteed, I would be married with a girl from my Korean Baptist church. Guaranteed. Like, 1,000%. I see. Yeah, I mean, that is something that I think about in the sense of... I mean, not not even necessarily what you're talking about there, but also, but I have thought about the fact that like, yeah, a lot of my gay friends or queer friends had to confront that early on in a way that made them now, you know, 
happier and better and like themselves and that's really cool and exciting but I know it's like oh you know it's so hard that they had to do that at an age when you know most of the time people are just like yeah whatever I don't know you know you can kind of fuck around in a way that doesn't make you confront yourself um quite so much just because you know society isn't making you do that if you're straight um but I would say that you know the same thing happening right now that's like so awful but um the fact that you know, you see all these these um, young black kids have to come out and speak out like activists and they're like seven, they're like nine. And you're just like, I can't believe that that has to even be on their mind. But it is a reality of just and, you know, and that can be said in many different ways. Mostly it is tragic and and their childhood is ripped from them. But, you know, the other angle that I'm sure that they have also that some of them have said later on is like, well, you know, then they um were kind of unfortunately forced to become that to like really confront those things and then that made them better at other things later which is like a terrible you know that doesn't make it better right but then it is true that um that is something that is a superpower in many ways i mean ultimately happiness comes down to you need to have an internal compass that's it if you don't have an internal compass you're in trouble and so what seems like an idyllic childhood can be terrible later because if you have an idyllic childhood where there are certain expectations and things are really easy, you can carry that into the future and try to live that out and you don't have a concept of what you actually want. So you're just trying to line up with what has worked, right? So in a way, right, right, right. that kind well, of experience... I've been good at this, so I might as well be... Yeah. Oh, just, just following what you're good at even, right? It's like, oh, I've been really good at like football or something and like that worked out for me for the first 12 not 12 years, 12 grades. <laughs> I don't know. When do people graduate high school? 18 years. Um, and so then, you know, I, I can imagine that that it's a confrontation. And I mean, I feel I feel like that it's really hard to have that compass, um, especially, yeah, when there's different ways that people value things. It comes down to, it comes down to good and bad. It's, it's, the, it's the good and bad thing. It's the good and bad. That is what it sure. comes down I mean, to. Yeah, we, it's hard to say. And I'm mansplaining now. <laughs> it's the no, no. I, I, oh. I, I want to hear this because you brought up the compass thing. Like, what is your feeling about the good and bad compass? The good and bad compass is that okay? So, and I, this is my favorite topic. So I nerd out. I like it. So, I uh, almost as soon as we are born, we're born into a family, and the way that the world is set up is. If a child is good, they are rewarded. If a child is bad, they are punished, right? Past a certain age, maybe two, three or whatever, maybe, you know, whatever. But everybody's born into a different idea of what is good and what is bad, right? So if you display behaviors that are considered good by the judgment of the parents, then you will be rewarded with hugs and kisses and praise and blah, blah, blah. If you do something that's not right, you send it, literally send it to the corner to stand there by yourself loneliness so because you're dependent on your parents for survival at that age you learn very quickly you better be good this is good and this Mm. is bad and your survival is dependent on your ability to be good except we carry that into our future and we live our lives as we have to be good as we identified it we must be good in order for... And we, we link that to survival. We're like, we have to be good. So people who align right. themselves strongly with, say, 
a certain religion. They're doing that because they are trying to be good. They're not going by their internal compass. They're going by an external decision that they've made to try to line up with being good. What's the problem with that? The problem is you want to be good so bad you're ignoring your internal compass. So if, and, and the thing the parents that we're born into are not perfect. So if a parent holds the, the perception that gay people are doomed to hell and you need to be good for your survival and that's very strong and you line up with the religion, there you go. You can be good holding yourself in that religion, but inside you know you're lying and that will eat you up from the inside out. And you're doing that for the concept of trying to be good for the sake of your survival. And that good bad thing is will kill you. That's where shame comes from. That's where it all lives, right. the good bad. Wow. Yeah, that is so true and scary to think. It's true. <laughs> it's like at the time parents are probably thinking like we need to teach them these things like stealing is bad, but then yeah, the minute it gets introduced something that like oh, no, our our, our understanding of sexuality has evolved from maybe how you were raised sorry you know next our previous generation but like can't instill that anymore like that is really damaging and and also I you know I, I have a cousin now who has um two little girls three and one yeah I think so quite young adorable um and she's you know kind of a a modern upbringing obviously 2020 just a sense of like there are different ways to raise your kid now in the way that like even I was raised right and so of course the fact that um emotional uh emotional intelligence is is so something that we glossed over and now you know that's why <laughs> I have to come and do this podcast oh. and figure out how to like interact with people right it's like it's like such a thing that um, she also felt that that was important to introduce so young and they're like three and one and already she got she got like a little poster for them. She's just telling us about where they have, you know, like it's a time in instead of a time out. So if they do something bad, a time out would mean loneliness. Like you said, casting them out. You can't survive without me. That thing you did was bad. And it might have been something like a tantrum. But then now they're doing a time in, which that means that you take time and they put them in a little soft corner where the poster is. And then they say, hey, so what were you feeling? And then they can like point to like, oh, I was angry. Okay, well, what can we do with that? Oh, well, you know, you can say what, what made you angry and then figure out what steps to take next time. Maybe you know, maybe they threw something. So it's like, okay, just know next time, don't throw anything and try to try to figure out how to talk your way out. You know, it's yeah. just certain things that are like, wow, That's there's amazing. a poster that you can buy online for that? For babies, can I have that poster? Yeah. I need that poster because I don't know what I feel. <laughs> I need to look at the poster. <laughs> really, truly. Yeah. We're like conditioned to ignore our feelings all the time. That's basically what it is. And the good bad thing is so just, I mean, like, I know I'm saying that's bad, but like, it's bad. I mean, it's like suicide. Like, you know, I mean, suicide it, is not a popular topic. You have clear evidence I was that thinking about this. Yeah. Suicide, you know, like, I was suicidal after Michael died. I was suicidal. I went shopped for guns, <laughs> you know, I was, su oh, I wow, wanted to yeah. fucking kill myself. And the thing is, uh -huh. suicide is such a, quote, bad topic that everybody says, don't talk about it. And then people shove it down. People who are suicidal. Then what happens? Then what happens? What do those people end up doing? Right. Right. You find out. Oh, what? You find out after that that on Facebook. Yeah. 
Ugh, so I know. the worst. It's the it's this good bad paradigm that we have created mm-hmm. in the society that we're all trying to live with that causes problems actually. Yeah, 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 that's something that is new and I know we've talked about shame before and maybe just on the phone. I don't even know if this was on the last podcast, but you know, you you have a really good understanding of it. And I think something for me, it's a hard thing to grasp. Like I I like I watch Brene Brown. I like know that, you know, but shame to me, I just think of ashamed. I think it's like a, a language and a wording thing that I just like never really understood. Shame doesn't really I don't know what that feels like or what that means. And it's not necessarily that I haven't felt shame. I think I just think of the word ashamed. But they're like kind of the same. But then also sometimes I think that certain times when I feel that way, I kind of feel like, oh, well, like I should be this way because that thing that, you know, I shouldn't have felt so negatively the other day when I have so many, you know, good things I could think about or something. There's a little bit of shame there maybe in the fact that like, a should is in that sentence. I don't know. But would you mind sharing your idea of what shame means or what it can feel like just to identify it better? So I'm, I'm actually, uh, this is from my estimation, right? So shame, I think, is a useful emotion for self-reflection. So we all, we have different emotions and they all mean different things. We cannot make an enemy of our negative emotions. If you're angry, you're defending your territory. It's like back to the caveman days. If you are picking berries and someone tries to steal your baby, you should not sit there and let them take your baby. You get upset, right? So honestly. <laughs> I thought you were going to say, and someone takes your berries. Someone, Yeah, if you're like, like picking berries, say, trying to collect food your... for your kids. <laughs> I was like, where? My baby. Yeah, my baby. Yeah. I told That's you, Inspector Gadget, right? I'm a little all over I the place. I didn't even know I had a baby. <laughs> um, or uh, um, What's another one? Um, a sadness, right? I actually looked into grief because I was so heavy in grief. Um, sadness is actually a bonding mechanism that was given to us from a long time ago. So like the reason why you come back home to your kid and you miss that kid. Like, okay, I know you don't have a baby, but let's just mm. pretend you had a baby, okay? Or your boyfriend. I mean, yeah. Somebody took my baby clearly when I was picking berries, so. <laughs> But like, say you have a baby. Exactly. The reason why the mom keeps coming back is like when they're separated from the baby, they are longing for that connection. So even when you, you hear mom say all the time, like, oh, I was away from my kid all day. I miss him so much. One day. It's a bonding mechanism to make sure the, the, that life goes on. So she might be away. She'll be like, I want to connect with my baby. How's you come back? Right. Grief is, that, is, is a frustrated sadness. So like... I want to connect with Michael. I have that bond and I cannot. That's grief. I see. Right? But I can't. It's like, yeah, a combo of. Right. But like, it's part of life. So, you know what it is. So as far as shame, shame is like, this is what I can understand. Shame has you feel, when you do something that is out of line with what you hold, right? You feel ashamed. Like, I could steal a candy bar and I'll feel ashamed because that is out of line with what I hold to be good. We're all, like, conditioned to kind of be... We're conditioned to care for you. Like, we're we're not conditioned. We're born to feel good. Good emotions exist for a reason. It means you're doing something right, biologically, right? When you're connecting with friends, it feels good. Why? Because it helps the survival of the species, right? Or whatever, right? 
when you are doing something like stealing a candy bar, it's an act away from that which keeps sustaining for your species, right? Mm. So then you feel ashamed and you go, okay, well, I won't do that again because that felt out of line with what I know I, sh- I feel I should be doing. Except, again, it's the same problem. The concept of good and bad Ignore your feelings and line up with this rule book that I give you. And then they line up with the rule book and then they comply ignoring their feelings. People who steal candy bars, same thing. They steal candy bars because they're not listening to their emotions. They're just going, this is what I need to do to survive. And so it is like a decimation of your emotional reactions, right? So they could feel shame, but they're like, I'm not ignoring, I'm, I'm not listening to that. Ooh, right. Yeah, I'm like, how has Trump not died of shame? <laughs> you know, like how, you know, anybody who's totally, but he doesn't feel shame just don't exist. because that's the other thing. So right. the reason why he doesn't <laughs> shameless. Oh, my God. I, I'm, I'm sorry. It's like my favorite topic. I get very uh, woo about it. And I, no, I, I want to hear it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Please. Donald Trump was born into a world where power and money equaled that you're doing good. You're doing great. Whatever. So it's an egoic hold. It's like if you have his parents probably were like, you got a lot of power. You got a lot of money. You're doing good as a man. So what does he learn as a baby? I better get a lot of power and I better get a lot of money. And so he does everything for power and money. And so, again, and being conditioned to ignore your emotions, guaranteed Donald Trump crying as a baby. The dad probably was like, suck it up and stop crying. You're a man. Guaranteed. So here's this person who has no connection to his emotion, has identified power and money as a good thing. So if you have power (laughs) and money as something to go for and you're disconnected from your emotions and you don't feel anything, that's a problem. (laughs) (laughs) You you don't say. Yeah, yeah, serious Don't you think? I I think that's Uh, what's happening. all, All what you're saying. Yeah, I, all what you're saying, I think, is actually accurate from what I had heard from that, you know, Maria Trump or what, what's the, uh, Mary Trump, the the cousin of his, of him, I think, or no, her, his niece, I think, who kind of wrote this tell-all book. It was all about the father being really, really, you know, basically rewarding him for all these just being ambitious about power and Did money. we really need a book to tell us that? Look at him, you know? <laughs> yeah, but- yeah, I know. It's like he already yeah. said it himself. For Trump fans out there, I do want to point out that I think that he's not all terrible. Again, I don't do the whole good and bad thing, right? So on some level, I think he is all right, okay? And I also think that a lot of other politicians show the same tendency. So it's not like I'm singling him out as this evil person. I just want to say I'm just putting that out there. Right. I mean, I brought him up. I brought him up and I am singling him out because he's the president. No, but I guess what I mean too is it it is interesting because a lot of this um a lot of this sort of self-help and and um those philosophies kind of don't line up with a lot of the rhetoric that we think about as a society and social justice if that yeah. makes sense. I don't know if you've thought about this a little bit probably just cuz it's irrelevant, but I think like for instance, you know, the thing, um, it's, it is so important to like be sensitive to people and, you know, make sure that you are speaking in a way that's deliberate so that people feel included and that people don't feel threatened, of course, or aren't reminded of a terrible, you know, a terrible situation or terrible time in history. Um, 
at the same time, you know, people always come up with the argument of saying like, well, if they say something offensive and somebody is offended, but their intentions weren't to offend, then, you know, or should they be, uh, I guess, persecuted in the same way? Is there a different sort of way you can go about kind of taking somebody um, account or making somebody accountable for their words if their intention was different or whatever? Um, and I think like as a for myself, I always like say somebody says something to me like, where are you from? Or something that could be interpreted as, oh, they think you're Asian and you're othered and then you're not from here. So they're asking you where, what country is, are those eyes from? Or so, you know, like that's how I could interpret that, right? Um, for my own health, I guess I'm always trying to, I guess, be like, oh, I can just say, oh, I'm from outside of Los Angeles, if they keep probing me, then I can definitely be, oh, okay, this guy's kind of being a little racist. If they don't, then I'm like, okay, good. I guess that's what they're asking. And, you know, it's annoying that I have to go through that kind of thought at all. But I think slowly I can, you know, not at least, or slowly I can make it part of my life that I am trying to at least take the healthier path for myself, which is to be calm and or not even calm, just like to not interpret it in a way that would maybe cause me stress. Yeah. But I know that's very different for different people and depending on who you're talking to and everything. But I would say I don't believe in that philosophy when it comes to other people as far as telling other people how to feel because I don't want to be like, oh, well, hey, why don't you just take the non-stressful route and pretend that everybody's not being racist to you? Like, obviously, I know there's people who they're like, no, I know that guy said that and that means yeah. that. He and again, like from earlier, like, if they're yeah. convinced of that, there's no convincing them. So you may as well just drop it. You can hear it. No, and I wouldn't. Con I, yeah, it's not even for. Yeah, like I wouldn't even venture to like try and convince them otherwise. I guess what I'm thinking is just like. I see a lot of people try to maybe apply certain self-help tactics to other people. And it just doesn't yeah. work. It doesn't work for anybody other than you. So um, if you're coming to me, right, or if someone comes to me and goes, I want to I want to help myself in X, Y, and Z, right? Okay, from that position, if you want to change the way the world looks, what's your, what's your perspective on that? Are you mostly in blaming out there for what is happening? Or are you willing to look in and change within? Or will you continue to look for actions you can take to change out here because that doesn't work right so are they willing to look inward if they're not willing to look inward game over they'll just continue to do what they're gonna do until the pain gets so great that they have to <laughs> i see so no yeah, yeah that's, and so as far as the whole clear. um the the whole you know racist kind of commentary thing right it's, it, uh, this is why I don't think external rules of good and bad really work, right? Because it can be interpreted in so many different ways, right? So someone could say, where are you from, right? And we don't know what that means, right? But with the advent of, you know, cancel culture or whatever, we could take that and go, you're racist. And then here it comes again. Is racism a good or bad in this society? Bad bad equivalent almost to being 
uh, uh, someone who should be jailed or ashamed or whatever, right? And like, it's it's such a bad thing to be racist. So if you go up to somebody and say you're racist, what are they gonna say? No, I'm not. And now there's a battle. Yes, you are. No, I'm not. And they're both defending to try to be good. Oh no! You've triggered yeah, their survival mechanism. So let's yeah. not do that, right? The key is, I'm gonna sound weird. Compassion, right? So if somebody comes to you and says, where are you from? It's you can go and be compassionate to yourself as well. You can actually sit there and go, okay, well, what is the emotional intent of this person? Is this person curious? Is this person trying to connect with me? Is this person, what is the emotional end result that they're going for? Because they could be going for connectedness. They could have grown up in Kentucky and don't know any Asians. So they could have come to you thinking that this is a great conversation opener. And maybe it took them a lot to do that. Right? Right, right. Or, Uh and you could honor your own needs, right? So you could, uh, so if, if that was the case and it bothers you, you could open the door and be like, I'm actually from, you know... China, like, uh, where are you from, or whatever. And after a little while, after you guys have identified each other as safe, not opposing, but safe, then you can go, you know what, can I tell you something honestly? Like, when you came up to me and said, where are you from? Uh, I'm actually, like, looking into, um, you know, uh, like, wanting to feel a more part of, like, an American. You know, sometimes I feel like, you know, an outsider. And I feel like when you do that, it sometimes makes people feel this way 100,000% if they feel safe with you they'll listen and they'll change their behavior and now you've changed somebody the way they communicate 100,000% but you've got to be compassionate and establish safety first you can't react based on an assumption oh interesting safety that's a really good term but if someone is coming at you with where are you from China then don't be like, oh, he's trying to... Co-. You know you know the difference. We're smart. Right, right, right. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. But safety has to be the there in order thing... to change minds. That's it. If there's no Got safety, it. there's no changing yeah. minds. No matter how hard you push. In get a Trump person and tell him, Trump sucks. See how hard they push. But get a Trump person to be your yeah, friend start and go... Flags. Sometimes I feel unsure about this. They'll listen. I've done it time and time and time yeah, again. I have yeah. a lot of Trumper friends. Yeah, I mean, the safety thing is so true because, like, it's kind of, you know, what it seems like now. And I'm pretty, I I just went to Sequoia recently. I went on a little road trip, socially distanced road trip, and uh, there were a lot of Trump flags, you know. And I'm thinking, so I'm like, ooh, there's a lot of Trumpers here. But not just Trumpers, they have a flag. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's like, it's like if you push someone, they'll fucking buy a flag and, and put that flag on their flagpole, which apparently everybody has a flagpole and raise that flag. So it's like, you know, there is a certain backlash effect happening on both ends. But I think that for sure it is true that the safety thing, um, a lot of people just don't feel safe. And I think it's, you know, divisive time as everyone says, but, but yeah, it's not, I'm not in the business of, um fighting so i think my default is to go to safety route but also i don't uh i know that's not really like trendy right now if that makes sense because i think confrontation and that's the other problem people line up with what's trendy and don't give actual thought right they just reality television well it's popular for me to be a social justice warrior so i'll just go and do that because it's the popular thing to do do you understand how this works (laughs) 
<laughs> I gotta say, they look really cool. I think they're awesome. But yeah, no, I, I for sure agree that, yeah, it's it's way more entertaining. And that's why, like, I'm always like, Twitter, I'll be like deep, like reading this thread that has nothing to do with me. But it's like between two people or like Instagram comments, like yeah. 52 replies, people going back and forth. But there are ones. Okay, so everybody's different, right? Everybody's different, right? So... It's not in my wheelhouse to be oppositional. I'm just not going to... It's just not where I'm I, comfortable. I literally can't do it. I'm so sorry, but I um, I can't do it. I'm a tiny person. I can't fight you. Yeah. Like, and you know, that's fine. There are people who were born... And this is why you, you have to learn to lean into your natural inclinations and ignore society, right? Like, so... So hard. If you're, if you're an artistic baby and you paint pictures and your parents go, stop that. Here's a math book. Now you know art is bad, but your natural inclination is art, right? So there are people out there, and you can see it in their eyes. Anderson Cooper and fucking Rachel Maddow. They fucking love it. They love diving deep. They, lo they are passionate about their work, and you see it. You see it. So I'm glad those people are there to fight for us because they are loving it, and they feel like they're doing God's work, and you see it. So I say we all line up with what is important to us. And funny, Rachel Maddow and Anderson Cooper are gay, you know, and so they can line up with what they actually want as opposed to just line up with what's supposed to be good, right? So, <laughs> so yeah, yeah, um, that's a good point. of course, the other end of it is deep shame and depression, but we won't get into that. But anyway, I'm just saying, like, Find out what makes you light up and line up with that and never mind what's good and bad and try to be compassionate of the other person and look for the intent behind the words. And don't be a social justice warrior because it's cool. Be a social justice warrior if you want to be a social justice warrior. Great. Do that. But don't do it to look cool. Sure. Because that's not you. And people always can tell. There's a difference. There's a big difference between Rachel Maddow and Rachel Maddow wannabes who started a podcast to get listeners. There are two reasons for it. It's either a very powerful egoic hold or something that lights them up from the inside out. Those are the only two reasons that someone would put themselves through it. So right. in the case of Donald Trump, I think, and I don't know him, so I don't know. I think it's an egoic hold. I think he has been conditioned to believe power, money, good. Disconnected from emotions. Let's go for power and money at all costs. That's right, what I'm right. seeing, right? And so then... people can do that. People can go, religion, good. Disconnected from my emotions. So let's go ahead and demonize everybody who is not. Because with, there's a polarity. So if you're trying to identify with what's good, there's a whole evil side that you must defend against, right? Right. So people can do that. Or they're just really into naturally whatever they're doing. And it's a beautiful thing to watch. And that's the state that we all want to be in. Mm -hmm. Because that is, that's, that's it. They're not doing it for some other reason. They're doing it because they fucking love it. You know, I don't know. I, I hope I didn't get too crazy over here. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I'm very passionate about this. This is great. I think, yeah, just it's, it's tough because I, I think there's sometimes, you know, your values can shift and so then when those values shift like I feel like you know when I was in, in college and everybody was very high achieving and I up till that point had been very high achieving academically in school right so the goal was to do well in high school to then go to a good college and I felt like I did that and then 
after that was sort of like, well, I mean, it wasn't really, I guess, on my values list to just keep going to school because I kind of knew I wanted to do other stuff. But it was a weird transition period um, that I feel like I've gotten through a little bit, but at least that it was like my values were, I mean, prestige, essentially. It was like good name school, good grades or whatever, like a reputable um, major and then... Um, I guess the next step would have been whatever that version is in the workforce. Um, but then because I knew I wanted to do comedy for some reason, it, it was a weird transition to be like, okay, literally unemployed, doing something that is not at all necessary to have a degree for. So kind of squandering a thing that I had worked towards and also not making any money. So there's no like prestige on that level, you know? So I think that, of course, that makes sense that you would feel that that's a tough time for anyone. But I think that like, I don't know. I, it's weird because it's like that was almost the values were changing and then I was pursuing new values. But there was almost this point at which I was like, well, or I could just snap my values back into the way that they were and just not do comedy and do from, you know, go into a tech workforce, say, because I studied computer science, go try to apply to a really like brand name job, like a Facebook or Google or whatever, and then just align with those values because that would be very clear that would all come that would all lock into place very well it would be prestige money and power essentially right and like that would that all kind of goes into one like you just need one job for that <laughs> if that makes sense yeah 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 but if you're in comedy or you're in something else like you might need to juggle a couple things at first for those all to fall into place if those are your values but i don't know if it, i don't you know again it's like kind of a hard to articulate why exactly I wanted to do comedy so badly, but I think I did have like a shift in values, which was, look, I arrived at this place that I thought was the end all be all, which was Harvard. And it worked really hard to be there. But at the same time, I felt like kind of, I mean, if I'm here, like I, I'm not like the smartest fucking person ever and they let me in. So great. But like, you know, I don't know, it was just sort of like, it felt a little, you know, imposter syndrome for sure. But I think it definitely felt like, well, I mean, it didn't revolutionize my life in the way, I mean, it was a great experience, but it wasn't like, it didn't have everything figured out the minute I stepped on campus. It was just as confusing as I was before, except even worse, because I was further along in life with closer to the moment at which I would have no idea what I wanted to do exactly. So I think there was definitely like, um, while being raised as a good and bad was maybe good was academics and bad was instability maybe then yeah, yeah. i certainly am looking back and i'm like well for me to completely flip to instability at the sacrifice of academics or whatever not completely but in a way then i must have gotten that somewhere um and i i sometimes worry it's because i was too fixated on not wanting to be like everyone else and even though that you know I think there was a little bit of maybe I get worried at least that there's a little bit of internalized racism of like not wanting to go into tech because I didn't want to be another Asian coder or something but I don't know so then I'm like I don't know if my values are even good or actually if they're racist values you know so it's kind of yeah. I don't you know. know what it's okay to not know that's the other thing right <laughs> so that was my little confessional joke. i don't know i don't know fix my Here's life aiden you don't know what you don't know i don't know what i don't know so i could be spewing all of this for the last 82 minutes we've been on right and 
some revolutionary fucking discovery could come out and render me a complete bullshit spreading complete lies in a year. Aliens could come down and actually that is not how it works. And Aiden, you're wrong top to bottom. You don't know what you don't know. And the thing is, we never figure it out. So we just have to be okay with not knowing. We have to be okay with not knowing. And so how do we resolve a problem like that, right? Like if we have to be okay with not knowing and you feel like you need to know in order to... You can't. You'll never. You can go and get a tech job and then you'll feel the same way. Should I do that? And then you'll go here and then you'll... Should I do that? You'll never know. You'll never know. There is no answer. And if you feel like you have the answer, there's another question. So it never ends. So you better just go be okay with having a question. Now, with this, right? So that's why emotions are important. Because if you're cut off from your emotions, then you have nothing else to base your decisions on, Mm -hmm. right? So if you're like, I got to figure it out. We all live so mentally. We're like, I got to figure this out. I got to figure this out. I got to figure that out. I'm going to switch to, I'm, and I'm, I, I'm sorry if it's, I'm not yelling at you, okay? I'm just passionate. I'm oh, very, yeah, no, no. I was Italian Stop in my past life. Yeah, I yeah. waved my fingers and, <laughs> you know, you know how I talk. Come on. Yeah, Sierra, yeah. No, you know? we're good. We're good. Uh, you know me. Well, I, I, didn't I, think I talk you like were. this on stage. Okay. Okay, great. So it's like, I'm just using you as an example because it's, you know, so if you go, I'm going to line up with tech because I think it'll get me, ga, 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 ga. you said it, power, money, wealth, prestige, or whatever. And then you're like, what is this all for? Well, if I line up with this, then you, it's another mental way of, or shifting, right? So you're making a mental decision. We all are trained in this world to make decisions based on mental, not with your emotions. Mm. So how do we know? But it cannot be ignored and it will not be, it will not be ignored, right? If you live completely with your head, completely with your head, right? It's not going, you, you cannot ignore this. It's going to come out one way or the other. You can face it directly or it comes out in other ways that makes other people suffer. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. So, <laughs> so <laughs> it comes out. What I mean by that is you could be like, oh, like you can admit that you're gay. You can look inside and admit that you're gay or you can marry a woman and wreck her life too. You know, like, honestly, like, right. Or you could, or you could line up and get the job that you want. But what you really want is to be an artist. And then you can take it out on your parents passive aggressively by not showing up to the funeral for making you enter this. Or, 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 right. So we must learn to be connected with our emotions again. So in your case, Sarah, what makes you feel good? And the thing is, You've, you know, there's no good and bad. There is, you, you did a great thing by going through high school and high achieving. You learned work ethic. You learned how to communicate with people on a high level. You learned the potential of seeing things in a big way. Uh, you know what I mean? Because those kids don't think small. They think big, right? It's a different story in Kansas Community College. You're working with the top-notch people who want to be innovative and change the world, right? Sure. So you're yeah. steeped in that world. You come out. Now, what do you do with those skills to line them up with what you're actually passionate about? Mm-hmm. And you're fucking invincible. You see what I'm saying? See, I, I just needed to confess all my deepest, darkest uh, shames to you. And then you fi- you fix it for me. <laughs> well, I mean, d- did I? Or are you just no, like, I mean, I, yeah, just, am I yes, an asshole? I think you did because, yeah, I think, I think sometimes I can, I can definitely see how I 
make things seem like they're, oh, it was all for nothing because I didn't do this thing and it was like all headed this way. And then I switched. So sometimes I describe it as a switch when in reality, you know, I was 21 when I graduated, like what, you know, what does anybody never change their idea of what they're gonna be. So yeah, I, Look, I think- I was a Craigslist hooker, all right? Come on. So, you know, oh, come on. You're not still? <laughs> come on. Did you switch from that? You know what was um, really yeah. embarrassing? When I was 21, I I, I, uh, I had no self-concept. I, I did not know what to do. And like I said, like when I graduated from high school, I couldn't go to college, right? So I went into the empowerment world. And I wanted to be something so bad. I wanted to feel important because I didn't feel important. And so what I did was I became a, an actor, you know, one of those very serious actors that uh, thinks I'm really creating art and just really went far with that. And now looking back on it, it's quite embarrassing, but I'm grateful for it because I did the best that I could at the time and it gave me a sense of importance. Yeah. And it's part of the learning process. And it yeah. actually informs who I am. So, and I, I share that story specifically because I have a lot of shame around how I was when I was 21. Like, I, I feel shame around it. I feel like I was so um, self-important and I hurt people and I got my self-importance by putting other people down, right? Uh, because I felt so diminished, right? And so I have to take those things and just put it out there, you know, as much as possible, really. Because, hey, you know, I feel like when you talk about, oh, I was 21 and, and I was secret, you know, I, I think that is fine. Like, I think it's 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 kind of fun hearing other people talk about what they're most ashamed or, you know, things that they are ashamed of in their past. Ooh, I don't say this a lot, but when I was a kid, I had a pet turtle and I accidentally, you know, killed it. So it's like, oh, God, that's fine. I mean, you're a kid, you know, like certain things. It's like, yeah, you were younger and like of course that's like not even as bad as the things that i think that you know and, and then you know at the what, time Sarah, like, i see I was like, no I had an shame ego. in like, what you crazy. did at all it's so funny i have more shame about my self-important attitude at the age of 21 than i do about craigslist hooking about my hiv status about being a total bottom <laughs> about um anything like and it's funny it's funny what we what create we in our heads. As, yeah, the main yeah. shame, the top shame Because game. guaranteed, if someone watches this and they want to write an article about it, Aiden was self-important when he was 21, is not going to make mm, the headline. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Everyone, like, oh, look at this guy. It's like other people are like, what's wrong with you? Like, I don't like, see a problem. Everyone was. Yeah, that's the reality. It's it's like, well. So it's a, it's a self-construct, right? It's like, um, and that's the other thing about happiness is like, our minds, our minds are created to solve problems. So if you don't have a problem, it gets nervous if you're identified with the mind. So it will create problems to solve. And how does it do that? Well, I was self-important when I was 21 and, and I did that and great. It could end there. Or I could be like, man... I need to defend against that for the rest of my life because I have a tendency, I have a tendency to be stuck up and diminish other people. And what is wrong with me that I need to do that? So I better guard against that oh, and no. create this whole narrative and chase that down. Nice. And always need to be defending against something. And that is a construct of the mind, you Interesting. know? Yeah, so, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. The 
<laughs> having to construct your life around like one year of your life. I mean, people do it. Clearly, people do that. Um, people that construct all like kinds of drama. Like, it's just so they'll take one bad show and they'll be like, "I'm not a great comic," and they'll hold that. Right. Right. For like it's and the mind you can't rely you cannot trust your mind. Don't trust <gasps> you heard your it mind. Here, folks. Do Don't not fucking trust. You that must. Thing you in can't your mind. because it'll create whatever story. That's why fucking people can go and chop up people and put them in barrels and say I did it for her and believe their own bullshit. Right. Like right. they think they're being good. Yikes. Yeah, I mean, that is... And they're cut off from their say. emotion. That's what those barrel choppers tend to say. They they did it once and they do it more to defend the first time. Oh, no. Jones, the fucking... Uh, the, where they, you know, drank all the Kool-Aid. Like, he thought he was saving them. So... Uh. And where did that come from? The construct of good and bad. Again, Hitler. Again, Oof. right? So when a bunch of people are disconnected from their emotion and they line up with the concept of good because mass think... So that's what happens so then the Terrible goal is not to push against whatever's happening you everybody if everybody would just access their internal compass by look uh, emotionally right like and and allow the mind to do what it does best let it solve issues mm-hmm. as they arise and then put it away but you must be connected to your emotion because somebody who is connected to their emotion i cannot sit there never mind you know saying i couldn't i couldn't have you sit there and, and insult I couldn't do it I, I couldn't give you if someone paid me a million dollars and said here's a knife you must give Sierra a paper cut on her finger I couldn't do it it'd be a like, knife I cut. would be like I don't know I can't even if you were like it's okay Aiden it won't hurt I'd be like I don't know Sierra like and it's not a good or bad or right or wrong or whatever it's a internal compass you're trusting like, your what's going on well but then i don't want to watch you suffer it feels bad well okay so then i'm worried about the fact that what if like you know you aren't your emotions kind of something that are that is um even if the good and bad is is off kilter or something your emotions might fit that at some point that you have a visceral feeling that that's good or that's bad, like you're happy when a good thing happens or you're you're sad when a bad thing happens. But what if that's the wrong thing? So what if that person is trusting their emotions, but their emotions are telling them that they're happy when they're chopping somebody up and putting them in a barrel? Um, so then what? Well, if, what it's like, up, uh-huh. is it serving a construct or is it serving it? Right? So that's important to note. So Donald Trump is happy when he wins because he is serving an egoic need Mm. to get power and money. So when he gets power and money, that's how he gets a sense of importance. So, but actually the reason why he's going for power, I'm just using it as an example. It's not a definite, I do not know the guy, but power and money is a means to get something else. So when people are going for a means to get something else, you're trapped in an egoic strategy state. So I'm going to get that boyfriend because then I'll feel good. So you get the boyfriend and you feel good. But are you, what you're going for is a sense of safety. Okay. So you've got to be, you got to know your emotions well enough to know, are you happy right. because you feel like you took a step forward and getting what you ultimately want mm-hmm. and you just achieved a strategy? Or are you happy because you're happy? And I'm saying, right, right. 
go direct. Do not do a layover. Don't because chop that layover doesn't fucking work, and there the is no shit. next flight. That next flight's gonna take you to somewhere else. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Go straight to. If you want to go to China, go straight to China. Don't do a stop at New Zealand if you don't need to. You don't need to go to New Zealand to get to China. So yeah, and you really it's can't. To yeah, identify. They won't let you Pe- fly there. <laughs> well, people but, need yeah. to know themselves. I'm just saying, like, you must. Is that, is that, did that clear anything up? Or, or like, do I you understand so. what I'm saying? So it's like, I think I know. It's yeah, like, I think... what what are the things you want because it feels good for in and of itself, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. or the things you want because it means, like, I I coached this girl, and she was like, I want to have five hundred thousand fans on Instagram, like you know, or whatever. And I was like, okay, cool. Like, why? She was like, I want 500,000 fans on Instagram because then I will have some, uh, uh, I'll be able to command some money. What would that get you? A feeling of safety. And what would that get you? A boyfriend. I feel like once I have safety, then I could get a boyfriend. And I'm like, you know, you can skip all that and just get a boyfriend. <laughs> Maybe, and but she's like, she wants yeah, to have- but I don't feel ready. And what kind of a mental construct is that? So she'll hit 500,000 fans and be like, I'm super proud. I'm super this. I feel great. Now the next thing, right? So, and I could go deeper with that. What what would you get if you had a boyfriend? A sense of being loved or something. Mm. Great. Go for being loved. Go for being loved. Now, then the boyfriend and the 500,000 fans follow. Sure. After, like the book, like the book thing, right? So... You need to figure out what your emotions are serving. Is your emotions serving the win and loss dictated by a construct in your mind and society? Or is it reacting to a natural primitive state? I love it. I don't know. Does that help? Does that make any sense? That's what I think. Again, I don't know everything. So please, That's okay. if you think I'm wrong, call me a bullshit artist and fucking send an email to Sierra. I don't know. Ah! I don't know everything. Send That's just what email. I think. I, I love it. And I think that's a good full circle kind of to land on because we talked a little bit about, you know, finding like, why do you want the boyfriend if you want, you know, you want the care, you know, knowing what Michael brought you and, and such and such. Like, I think specifically, I I definitely get into the fact that... um you know, there are certain things if I am feeling like, oh man, you know, I wish, you know, I don't think my career is where I want it to be. And then it's like, well, where do I want it to be? Oh, well, it'd be great if I could achieve that one thing. Well, would that actually get me anything? Or is that just like one of those things where you're like, oh, I wanted to check off a box, right? Or is it really like, oh, well, if that happens and then this other following thing doesn't happen, that I'm going to be right in the same spot that I am today, which is, oh, I... I don't feel satisfied again, right? So it is It is true that, because um, I, I often talk about the fact that the goalposts can keep moving, you know, but I think that 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 especially has to do with what you're saying because the goalposts will only move. I told you that, right? I, t- I talked to you satisfied. about the goalpost thing, right? What was Did that? you get that from me? Because I actually taught that at a high school. So like I oh, worked I with the Sacramento School District about goal setting. And so the way I taught them to make goals is literally... Like, the only reason why we do anything is because of an emotional end. So there's a reason why that girl and crazy ex-girlfriend left her entire life over in New York or wherever the fuck she was and then moved to Rancho Cucamonga and started a whole new life for lower pay in Rancho Cucamonga. Right, right. She wanted the boyfriend or whatever, right? 
It was an emotional thing. If the guy wasn't cute, she wouldn't have done it because she wouldn't Josh. have the emotional pull to do it, right? Love it. Love so, this example. <laughs> what it is is If you want me to do this, you can edit this out later if you want, okay? If it gets too personal. So what is the end goal for Sierra? What is, in your dream, what is the biggest achievement that you can possibly imagine for you? Oh, God. Uh, hmm. I think what I've typically said and what's the closest to what I can answer that tough question is a talk show. Okay, great. So let's imagine for a minute, Sierra has a talk show. And what does that look like? Is it a daytime talk show or a nighttime talk show? What is it? I think it's a nighttime talk show. And I think it is, um, yeah, pretty like every night, you know? Or maybe once a so week. So you're like the new Jeff Fallon, Jimmy Fallon or whatever his name is, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay. So say you got there, right? What would be the moment you knew you got there? Like, can you imagine that moment? What would be the moment you knew you got there? Achieve that goal. I mean, probably like the second year or something. After doing a whole year and it like kind of went well. So then it's like, okay, we're on our second year. It seems like there's a little bit more established than the last one. Give me one moment that would be defining of that goal. Like an image, like... An image. Mm, I'm reading a review that's saying this is here to stay and it's from like a reputable news source and what's that reputable news source probably new york times, new york times. okay is anyone around you um family Okay, and then do, do you live in LA? Like, I'm just asking questions, oh, I so see. just please go with me. Yeah, yeah, probably live in LA. That would be ideal, closer to family, you know. Okay. Probably a lot of the same people. And what does your house look like family. now that you've had a year of successful talk show? What, what else? Um, I think I have a house and I have a dog. <laughs> okay, great. So you're reading a review from whatever magazine? What was it again? Oh, oh yeah, New York Times. Maybe, should okay, we say so variety? You have a, <laughs> vari okay, variety. Yeah, great. We're having fun you with know, it. That's the point. You've got to have fun with it, okay? When you said magazine, I was like, oh, magazines. Yeah, anyway. Whatever you want. Whatever publication you want. Thank you. That inspires you. That makes you feel, okay? Because what, what I would lo love for you to do is just think about, all right, so you're on whatever, or the couch or chair or whatever that you're sitting on, and New York Times has said, Sierra Catal has broken boundaries as the first female host of a late night show. After a year of, of the highest ratings ever, she has been renewed for another three seasons. Your family is around you. They're proud of you. They're happy. There's dogs. There's a house. <laughs> and there's sunlight there's in sunlight. Los Angeles. That Love feel it. pretty good, right? Cool. Great. Yeah? Can you buy into that? I can buy into right? that. Just for a second. But yeah, okay. Variety Magazine. So now... Okay, fine. We'll go with Variety yeah, Magazine. Yeah, sorry. I did. So then now... Yeah. If you got that, how are you feeling? How are you feeling? Now you know what's around you. How are you feeling at that moment? Mm. What are the emotional descriptors of that moment? Right. Okay. I love this. So comfortable, I think, because insecure. Okay. I'm going to write this down, actually. I want to write this down. Oh, okay, comfortable. we're getting out the notebook. Okay. okay great. 
comfortable, secure, loved, um, like a sense of purpose, importance, kind of hand in hand. That's those purpose two. and what importance. Okay. Okay. Um, and happy. Happy. Okay. So the other thing about happy, mm. happy is, is general. What I've discovered about happy is like, it's a general term for positive emotion. So mm. within happy, there's happy and unhappy within happy. There is like invigorated, interested, satisfied, comfortable, right? So let's get specific about emotions within the family of happy, right? So comfortable, secure, love, on purpose, important is all in the family of happy. So we're going for a lot of those, okay? Got it. So yeah, just like... So maybe a two more something. Maybe warm. (laughs) Warmth? Great. Yeah. Okay. And a couple more. One more. Um... I guess kind of like, well, purpose and that, those are kind of all in the same boat. Maybe um, excited, like a little bit of like, there's still more to come. Mm-hmm. So it's not, okay. it feels like it's accelerating or movement. I don't know. Potential, poten- you feel a sense of potential, potential. for growth, potential. Growth. Yeah, yeah, okay. sure. We love it. Great. So warm, potential for growth, comfortable, secure, love, purpose, important are emotions that you will feel once you achieve that goal, that which you want, right? So then your goal right now, Sierra, becomes getting these feelings, as many of those as possible now. So how do you get that now? Cool. Because, right? So yeah. So does your, so now you're connected to that. Does the idea of leaving your current career and going over to start a, a tech firm that you're working at inspire warmth? <laughs> no. No. Okay. They, they, does it inspire? They, no. Yeah, yeah. But I, I don't, yeah. I also don't think that's like the comp- competing path, but I do, but I do think, and this is really cool because I, I do believe that this is exactly what people need to interrogate when they're going into careers because we don't. We don't at all teach this about what do you want to do with your life, right? It's like we don't ask about life. What lifestyle do you want? It's like what do you want to be a what do you want to be? And then it's like, well, do you know that requires late nights, or maybe you don't see your family, or maybe it's dangerous job, like like a firefighter or something. Like you know, it's not just about wearing the cute uniform. Um, but I think that yeah. also what you're saying here is like something that I've kind of shied away from in a way that's probably not necessary but i do because i get worried that if i satisfy those emotional things then i will not actually be ambitious because i'm gonna like just and i have a solution to that too so so. this is yeah so this is what i i advocate with the kids right i'm drawing this i hope this comes across on camera Right. So you're right. Because if you do have a year and you do accomplish that goal, then what's next? So then what? And you are right in that you'll just set another goal that you can be potentially dissatisfied about if you want to do that. Here's the thing. 
So the goal setting has to be like this, right? So that's Sierra's goals, right? They're emotional goals. Emotions, Sierra's uh -huh. emotional goals, right? Warmth, comfort, whatever, whatever, whatever. All the rest are goalposts. So your goalpost by which to measure your success of the emotional goals. So is that a rainbow? Right? Yeah, it's know. like a rainbow. It's, a rainbow it's like it's like an emotion. overarching over everything. And then you can keep setting goals to get yeah. there. Right. And it's like, and of, of course, you know, you know, the concept of, I mean, the goal, the, the, the traditional sense of goal setting is like, okay, you have like the big goal, right? Like the, the one year or the, the, you know, let's just call it second year late night TV show. Right. Hmm. So in order to get there, you have a lot of smaller goals, right? And then even smaller goals than that to get to the smaller goals, right? Hmm. First, you have to get a TV show. In order to get a TV show, I'm just going to make this up. It's not true. You might have to get, I don't know, a million followers, let's say. So in order to get a million followers, you have to, I don't know, have a Netflix special. In order to get a Netflix special, you have to write blah, blah, blah. It goes down, 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 right? If your goal is, and, and, if, and those are all goalposts. So you reaching a second year of late night talk show is just a goalpost that represents your higher emotional goal. So you're always serving your emotional goal, not the goal post. Because if you serve the goal post, you get there, then what? Right. Right? So what are the next steps that you could take from that point to inspire more feelings of growth and warmth and, and, and comfort and security, right? Now, here's the thing. I'm going to throw something out there for you, okay? So you might never get to that TV show. You might never have a late night show, Right? But you could potentially mm -hmm. have a podcast of your own with, I don't know, 30 million followers mm -hmm. who are interested in what you have to say, who download you every week, and you're working at a really high level, and you just made a $30 million deal with, I don't know, Sirius XM, say. And you're sitting at the house, and you're reading about that in Variety magazine. Will you feel warmth, growth, comfort, security, love, and purpose, right? Yeah. Yeah. So it doesn't look like how you need it to look. Mm -hmm. So those goalposts are all interchangeable. Yeah. They're all interchangeable. They are. Mm -hmm. And it's true. So you can work toward a goalpost, but it might take you a different direction. Sure. But if it's satisfying your emotional needs, then you don't have to hold so hard. Mm -hmm. And people miss opportunities because they hold too hard to a goal that they have decided. So they go, I have to get this late night show in order to accomplish love and warmth. I'm not saying you're doing this, but I have to accomplish this in order to get the love and warmth and growth. No, if you have the love and warmth and growth now, and you know this is just going to support it, then all of those are interchangeable. You can write a hit TV show that you can be a start of. It, 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 interchangeable. Right, like, right. Everything's... And you, so you can remain flexible with an emotional goal in mind, which makes you super-duper powerful. Because you know what's going to happen? You'll get opportunities and you'll be like, that feels good. That feels good. This feels good. That doesn't feel good. Whereas if you hold that as a way to get that, right. then what's going to happen is tunnel vision. And that might not be the best way for you to get these accomplishments, right? Does that make sense? Yes. So, I think that is all very, very helpful. Uh, does, does, it does it really make sense or are you, are you just <laughs> no, I, I, going yeah, I'm, I'm being genuine. <laughs> People are taught everything. You have to work toward your goal every day or whatever. The way to do this is 
you got to figure out, okay, it's great to want a late night show. Work toward that. That's great, right? And make sure that the stuff you're doing tonight and tomorrow night, blah, blah, blah. Pick things that will inspire warmth and growth and comfort and secure and love and purpose. Pick things purposefully and make your and allow yourself to feel those things now. So at the end of this podcast, right, you can say, hey, I've taken a step toward it. I just had a great conversation with a good friend of mine and I thought about blah, blah, blah or whatever. And and Aiden said I look good. So allow yourself to feel whatever these things are as much as possible now. That's your job. So your job is to pick activities tomorrow that line up with this. Ooh, okay. So you can get used to that all the time. Then as you grow, it might end up, you might end up somewhere completely different, but you're still going to feel these things. So what does it matter? Right? And you can be happy on the journey because there is no end. Mm -hmm. You were going to get there and pick another goalpost. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So just, just. Give yourself this now. You'll get there faster because people are going to notice and they're going to be like, oh, she can handle this. Because if you're like, oh, I need to get that in order to get this. And then you walk into an audition like, oh, I really hope I get it so I can achieve my feeling of warmth. That's not a match to the people that they want to hire. They want to hire somebody who they can trust with a billion dollar uh, corporation job to handle every night. They don't want a nervous Nelly. They want somebody (laughs) who already has it. Right. 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 I, I'm, I get a little preachy. I like that. I should have been a... No, this is... You know. Yeah, this is all great. Well, yeah, in, in many ways, this is... Um, yeah, it's like you're a philosopher. I think the scary thing is like stating what a goal is because it's a, kind of embarrassing. It's a little bit like, ooh, she thinks, right, that this is her goal. But I mean, it really helps because I've been so shy about stating what my goal is, but I feel safe with you. So I do say it and then, you know, it can help inform what yeah, what sort of things I'm prioritizing in life, which is totally hard. Like I, I tend to prioritize work that I do for other people just because I, you know, it's easier to do and it's a little lower stakes and it feels like, you know, I kind of need that pat on the back or like that sort of approval. But then at the, at the end of the day, if it doesn't really go towards what I am trying to do, it might feel like I'm kind of, you know, I don't know, doing something that isn't making me happy. So thank you. Um, I would encourage you to share this part to your listeners. I will. Yeah, I think this is super valuable. Um, it's it's a well, not because it's valuable for you, because that whole shame game about like I don't know if I should want this or I don't know if I want yeah. that is holding you back. So the more public you can be sure, about yeah, any yeah. shame you it's feel like, about anything, very true. Let it let it out. So yeah. I'm look. You know, I'm putting it out there being vulnerable for all the listeners out there um so i know i mean i could talk to you for like eight hours so i know i'm sorry to keep you so long but i do want to make sure that we get information about your book out there oh yeah i could ways. do this all day and so the website i love it and the blog. <laughs> i know i know so thank you this is like a fucking free therapy for me yay um, oh i do coaching so on my website if you want to i can help you this was so helpful, Identify I have to your say. Blocks. <laughs> just as a testimonial to how good of a coach you are, you're always just on it and can get to really the root of of helping. But also, again, talking about safety, you're really good at making at least myself feel really like safe and not judged. And you're very supportive. I hope so. That, like, Sometimes I scare productive. myself when I go on these, like I have a tendency to go, you know, 
and get real passionate. And I, 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 I don't want anybody to feel like I'm yelling at them. I'm just passionate. So oh, I'm yeah, so no, happy that you took it that way. As <laughs> yelling. Yeah. It's just Aiden. Um, okay. Yeah. So what's your website? Okay. Aidenpark.com. Yeah. A-I-D-A-N-P-A-R-K. I spelled my own name wrong when I joined SAG. So it's supposed to be A-I-D-E-N, but I was like, I'm changing my name from Korea. I'll pick an Irish name and then spell it an untraditional way to make it really hard for people to find me. <laughs> no, it's unique though. So that's why you got .com, I assume. Yeah, there you go. Woohoo. And your book is coming out on September 8th. Woohoo! Yes, yes it is. And then on there, there's a QR code that leads to my a website um, that each chapter has a blog post that goes along with it that has information, some of it that we talked about tonight. And uh, yeah. Cool. And then people can find your book on Amazon? Is that, the, or what? what's sort of the best yeah, way? Yeah, it's on Kindle. It's on um, uh, paperback and also Audible. Uh, and oh. Margaret Cho... A good friend of mine wrote me the foreword, and uh, and uh, she recorded her voice for the Audible. So oh I'm my really god! Excited. I grew That's up watching really her. She was my childhood hero. First Asian person I saw on TV in 1994. <gasps> wow! So it's really exciting. That's a big. That's that's really fun and a big endorsement. Yeah. Yay! It's so fun. All right. It so, feels so know, good. So many like, reasons. Literally, to buy this she book. was the first Asian person. I was like. There's an Asian person it's on TV. It's a big fucking deal. Yeah, she's a she's a legend, trailblazer. Cool. And um, and then how can people find you on social media if they also want to follow you and get those updates day to day? Uh, Aiden Park Show. So A I D A N Park Show. Nice. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Then you can tune in, get all the the gold every single day. Um, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, thank you again so much. Thank you for coming on fun. and just revolutionizing my life every time we talk. Um, oh, come on. You're <laughs> truly a, yeah, you're truly, you know, you've found a really good calling clearly and I can't wait to read your book. That's how I know also, it's right because I'm, I nerd out about this all day long and it's not for any other reason other than I'm interested. Like I just want to like, yes, I love it. I love it. I mean, it. Anderson <gasps> Cooper, move over, you know. We've got another passionate I don't want his job. <laughs> I don't want to sure, fight with yeah, people yeah. Just, about just politics. I don't know enough. People who are, yeah, passionate about what they do. <laughs> Not necessarily CNN anchor. Um, yeah. Wonderful. Uh, yeah, and then I guess, yeah, if you want to leave on any sort of small tidbit, that's that's fine. But you really don't have to because you gave us so much. But yeah, Okay, what, what tidbit do I want to... <laughs> leave on you really don't i'm oh, sorry i put you on the um, spot don't tolerate shame like literally like if you feel shame about anything go right now share it with somebody call somebody mm. up and tell them that what you're ashamed about everything bring that Love out it. if you bring it out it'll if you have a something going on and you add shame to it or feel like oh this is unacceptable i suggest you share it because the you know it, it can bring you in deeper 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 you know but try to yes. do it with somebody who's not going to freak out, smash it with a frying pan, you know, like, I mean, like, right, and right. you know, Ideally. you guys are smart. So don't go, you know, let's, let's not go telling somebody who's completely defeated about life and is oppositional against everything in the world and say, I want to make something of myself. <laughs> it's like, all right, kid, you know, <laughs> right. They'll be like, all right, kid. Simmons. A teacher, a mentor, or even me. Go ahead. 
Send me a DM. Tell me your shame. I'm not going to share it. I, sh- I guarantee. Send Sierra a DM. Oh, actually, don't. Because she women get a lot of DMs. Oh, um, it's okay. Like, they can send me. I, I'm okay with the stay positive listeners. They're yeah. all respectful. You know what? Send me a DM. Lovely. Yeah. Send her a DM. Yeah. Se- That'd send be us fun. some shame DMs. I want to hear. I don't know if it'll happen. I, I don't I don't get a lot of... <laughs> I feel like the. I feel like I kind of am bad at responding. So people have stopped uh, answering my calls. I respond to, to all of them. The send it to me. Okay. Aiden's better at responding. Yeah, I but like please it. Please send it to me yeah. too. Because I want to hear... I yeah. Hear yeah. It. I'll forward them. Or her or whatever. Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nice. Okay. Well, thank you, and uh, have a wonderful rest of your night. Thank you, Aiden. You have a wonderful rest of your night, and thank you for having this podcast because that's really that's really cool of you to want to use your comedy skills for uh, maintaining positivity and and uh, I I think I mean I don't I I you know uh, I feel weird saying compliments to women nowadays because everything's like you know mansplaining right, but I just I think you I I just think you're so good. Compliments are fine. I just think you're so great. And I told you this. I told you this. I'm going to remind you again. When I saw you the first time at Flappers when you were doing seven minutes, I talked to you afterwards and I said to you, I was like, you're going to make it. I just know it. And you were like, ha, ha, ha. I don't know. I'm just here from Harvard. I'm like, no, you are. You weren't like that. You were like, you weren't like Giggly. You were very, you were like, thank you. And I was like, "Mm mm-hmm. So. Well, (laughs) it was probably, you know very flattered thank you thank you again all right thank you so much for listening to that interview with Aiden Park I know it's so funny because every time I interview him we end up talking for probably about an hour after we stop recording and I ran out of space on my camera so I kind of had to I kind of had to like wrap things up but we we touched on some other really fun things after that I wanted to share with you guys and this is the problem with him it's like he's filled with so much wisdom that I just I'm trying to get so much out of it. And then, you know, of course, you have to end a podcast at some point. But I every time we talk after, I'm like, man, if only the listeners could hear this gold. Um, but one thing in particular I have to tell you guys is that we had a breakthrough about the fact that I think I was explaining to him that I thought I was lazy about, you know, I am lazy sometimes and that's just how it goes. Uh, but I definitely am ashamed of being lazy and I feel like I should be doing more work or I should be, you know, hustling more and this and that, not sleeping in, all those things. And um, he kind of was like, well, that's why, you know, you got to just love your lazy self and um, maybe that's why you're obsessed with that damn egg. And do you know what egg he was talking about? He was talking about Gudetama. I'll be right back. All right, I'm back. So basically, yeah, Gudetama is this guy. Um, If you're watching on YouTube, uh, if not, I'll describe to you. It's the lazy egg that's really popular in Japan called Gudetama. And um, yeah, I guess it became popular there because, you know, well, people attributed it to the fact that like there's kind of burnout culture there among the youth and... um, yeah, they kind of attach themselves to certain, like, lazier, maybe creatures. This is an egg. Um, Characters, and, you know, maybe that was because they were like, I just need to take a break. I don't know. I'm really summarizing, like, one article I read on a culture that is across the ocean, so I, I can't pretend to understand fully. But... I mean, there's totally burnout culture here, and I uh, am definitely a victim. So I feel like, yeah, I don't know. Maybe that's why I like Gudetama. Mainly, I just thought I liked it because it's a cute stuffed animal, and I it's soft. But um, 
I've totally told Aiden about this stuffed animal. I think the last time that I interviewed him, he came over and then I was like, oh yeah, here's Gudetama. He's a lazy egg. He's lazy. And I really emphasized the lazy part. So then he kind of read that as like, oh, maybe you actually are, are so sad that you hate that lazy part of yourself that you kind of like got this egg to then try to tell yourself to love your lazy side too. I don't know. It just was brilliant. So, you know, I had to share it with you guys. So I hope that for those of you who also feel like, you know, maybe you need to embrace that part of yourself that you sometimes try to push away, maybe a feature or a, um, yeah, just a part of your personality that you're not super proud of. I mean, maybe you got to love it because it's also part of you. So yeah, that's gushy and fun. We love it. Wet and gushy. That's the um, censored version of WAP. Okay, so next, uh, I just want to replug Aiden's wonderful book, The Art of Being Yay. I haven't read it yet, but it's on the way. But I bought it like the day it came out. So, you know, it's it's in the mail, which is now a variable thing. Will it arrive at all? Who knows? Um, but, you know, I'm excited. I'm very, very thrilled just like knowing him and hearing him talk about his book that it's going to be amazing. So I'm very and I bought like the real book version too. So I'm going to get a bookshelf. We're going to put it in the bookshelf. It's going to be so fun. So I definitely encourage you guys to look into that. Also, please watch Earth to Ned if you have not already because, uh, or maybe rewatch it too if you have. I mean, it's a fun, fun watch. And again, I'm in episode two. So, you know, maybe that's, maybe that's incentive. I don't know. I don't know what the people want. So, okay, great. Have a good day. Um, love that part of yourself that you kind of push away. I will try my best to really embrace the lazy in myself. So, I mean, today, you know, I woke up at 9.30, um, which is not that late for me. Like, I tend to wake up around that time. And I was able to kind of like, you know, slowly wake up and not have to answer emails right away and kind of like get my coffee. And it's okay if I'm in my pajamas for an hour and then I can change out, you know. And look, at the end of the day, I do that regularly. But I think the difference is not like beating myself up about it later. There we go. Okay, I'm going to wrap this up. Thank you and have a good week. Stay positive, stay positive, stay positive.